Welcome back, and today I have the privilege of bringing you the conversation I had with Kip Covington. Kip started out his professional life as a dentist, and on a daily basis, he would find himself questioning where these dental problems came from, what was the root cause of these dental problems, and he found out a lot of it comes from poor breathing. And if you're breathing poorly, that means you are sleeping poorly, and you might have a sleep disorder. And as we all know, sleep is extremely important. It could be the number one factor for good health. If you're sleeping poorly, it's going to affect you both physically and mentally. Kip found himself being able to change lives if he could help people sleep better on a regular basis. The past five, six years, Kip has become an expert in sleep disorders and really sleep apnea and how we can prevent it, how we can treat it, where did it come from. And that's all the stuff we talk about today. Kip is extremely passionate about the subject, and it really is a great reason because he is changing lives for the better. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Kip. Welcome to Live Life in Motion, where the goal is to bring you conversations that give you the power of education so you can use those tools to optimize your life on a personal and professional level to better yourself, your community, and those around you. Kip, thank you for coming today. I'm pumped to have you. Um, I think this is a topic we need to bring more awareness to, and thank you for coming. Yeah, man, I'm 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 actually pumped to be here because, uh, like we were saying earlier, my my purpose now is to raise more awareness to this issue because it's. It's too prevalent not to. It is. And the issue we're talking about is sleep apnea. And Kip beforehand was a dentist. So Kip, how the hell did you get down this path to be an expert on sleep apnea? Yeah. So I, I asked myself that a lot. <laughs> so, uh, but for years I had, I had patients asking me to help them with their snoring. And I'm like, you do realize you're asking your dentist this. And oh yeah. I saw something on TV. They, they said to talk to your dentist or heard something on the radio. Um, so for years I started searching for like courses to go learn about this. And the first one that I actually found that it wasn't a company selling something. Um, <laughs> I sat in with one of my partners in my practice and we sat there for six hours and I listened and light bulbs just start, started going off left and right. And I was like, this explains so much that I couldn't explain that from what I was trained in, in dentistry. And I got up and I looked at my partner and I was like, that was the most interesting thing I've ever heard. And she goes, yeah, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> and she left and I stayed and I went up to the guy uh, that was teaching this course, for like 600 dentists. And I said, I can't unsee what you just showed me. I said, how do I learn more? And that guy, that was years ago. He is still my mentor who I'm with now four times a year. Um, and I have just been fascinated by this topic because as a dentist, it, it gave me my purpose, my why. Yeah. Uh, it gets me up in the morning. Um, it helps me sleep at night. <laughs> was that guy the guy that uh, discovered sleep apnea? No, that was not the guy. Uh, so in all this <laughs> journey, because what I found is that in the sleep world, and so you've had all these people on talking about sleep quality and like sleep hygiene stuff, which is all critically important. Uh, we need eight hours. We need veterans at certain temperatures. We need, you know, do as Tom Brady do, does and you'll win the Super Bowl. But, um, <laughs> except for I don't know that you need bamboo style pajamas or whatever he says. But uh, well, all that stuff's awesome unless you can't breathe when you sleep. And so we talk about sleep apnea. I hate that we use that one terminology because it's kind of a broad spectrum. So you can have snoring, you can have what's called upper airway resistance syndrome, which is basically sleep apnea for the young fit person. Uh, and then it progresses to sleep apnea. Nobody just wakes up one day and they're like, oh, I got sleep apnea. Today. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a progressive thing that happens. Um, and um, but so people hear the terminology sleep apnea and they're like, oh, no, 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 that's that's my grandpa. Yeah, you know, sure. Right? Like, um, I'm healthy. I'm not overweight. Yeah. But, you know. So I just couldn't get enough of learning and I, and I still, it's a, I become sort of a learning junkie on this topic because everyone sees it from a different viewpoint. So it's like the whole analogy. If you see an elephant up too close, somebody will feel the trunk in one way. Sleep's the same way. So a lot of sleep physicians are either neurologists, ENT surgeons, pulmonologists, or sometimes internal medicine. Now, luckily we got more that are cardiologists because those are so tied. Mm-hmm. 
But if you typically, if you went to a pulmonologist and you have sleep apnea, they're going to give you a CPAP machine. If you go to an ENT surgeon, you have sleep apnea, they're going to talk to you about surgery. Uh, and it's just whatever the person has as their tool was what was what they use. Neurologists would use medicine sometimes. Um, dentists, we didn't have any tools, right? <laughs> so we're coming in with like fresh eyes and not going through med school. But and to me, if something doesn't make sense, then I don't comprehend it. So this all started making so much sense and explained why people clench and grind their teeth at night. Yeah, which is true. tons of us, right? We've been telling people for decades that you do because you're stressed. Now we kind of find out we were right. We just didn't know why we were right. <laughs> if you can't breathe, you're going to be stressed, right? So, you're going to get bad sleep. It's going to lead to depression, anxiety, stress. Yeah. Which was really fascinating because when I got into free diving, I found that when you get to a level where your CO2 levels increase, where you need to breathe, uh, you start clenching. And so I actually own a copy of the Italian manual of free diving. And in there, the elite free divers make these dental splints so that they don't hurt their teeth while they're free diving. And I was like, huh, that's really fascinating. And so just tying those things together. But uh, then I led to a course, I got to a course in Miami and it was, it was, it was so cool. Cause it was surgeons. It was uh, orthodontists. It was uh, just kind of a think tank. And we spent the week just sort of talking things out and, Come to find out halfway through that the guy who discovered sleep apnea was there with us talking the whole time, and I didn't <laughs> I didn't know who he was, and so I called my wife and I was like, "You're not that was that was me meeting Michael Jordan of the sleep world." Uh, fast forward a year later, I'm at a a uh, at a Baltimore baseball game, uh, sitting with him in a box, and it was just to me that's crazy. I no one will ever know who that guy is. Um, he helped invent the first CPAP, which was by an accident after he went by a vacuum cleaner store. I was like, huh. But I could use one of those vacuum cleaners to help somebody breathe. <laughs> you're like, and now that's the most prescribed, like it's form of treatment out there. Like, so it's the one most people will know about. Yeah, it's the one most people only know about. Yeah, me, yeah, that's how I was or am currently. Yeah. So the world's dramatically changing. The problem with CPAP is it works really well. So let's let's talk about what sleep apnea is. Yeah. So what it causes sleep apnea? What is sleep apnea? Yeah. So sleep apnea is what it is. Apnea is stopping breathing. Sleep, when you're stopping breathing in your sleep. So the whole problem with this and why we're all dealing with this and why it's so prevalent is when we sleep, and you've had you've had some pretty cool sleep people on your podcast already, but um, the purpose of sleep is to restore our body, is mm -hmm. to get rid of all the junk that we did to it during the day. Um, I always tell people it's rebooting our computer. When we sleep, especially when we hit deep sleep and REM sleep, those critical sleep stages, your muscles should be somewhat paralyzed so that they can restore themselves mm -hmm. um, and so that we don't act out our dreams. Um, so sleep walking, sleep talking, those are actually kind of REM dis disorders. But anyways, muscles should relax. All the muscles that shouldn't keep you alive. So obviously your heart doesn't stop, your brain doesn't stop, your lungs don't stop. The issue with sleep apnea is when the airway isn't big enough and the muscles around the airway collapse because they're relaxing, the airway starts to collapse. We stop breathing as well. So this isn't a problem if you've got a really big airway. All right. And as we were talking about earlier, I've been to places around the world where sleep apnea doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. like they don't know what it is. And they have these big, broad jaws. What's really fascinating is it's these non-modern societies which diets haven't changed things like that um but if you think about who are the number one marathon runners in the world it's the mm -hmm. same people right so your kenyans your ethiopians these guys have these big broad jaws uh room for their wisdom teeth perfectly straight teeth like i took an orthodontist to kenya with us and all he did was kiss babies the whole time because <laughs> he didn't have anything to do because these people have great features and you see that like with the aboriginals, you saw that with native Americans prior to screwing up their diet. And so you, there's books of them, of Europeans coming to the U S saying, look at these native Americans. They're like the ultimate athletes. They can run mm -hmm. for hours and keep their lips closed. And I've got these books cause I think it's cool. Um, and so we were talking about nasal breathing. If the bones are well-defined, that's how we'll breathe naturally that way. So fast forward to us and our jaws getting smaller, which is a, incredibly interesting topic because this has happened over the last couple generations. Yeah. Um, it hasn't always been that way. It has not always been that way. So if you look at skulls and there's orthodontists and guys in the U S going around the world, looking at skulls from different times, 
we're seeing a stark difference in just the last couple of generations. And it basically with the demarcation was the industrial revolution. Um, and so it's diets changing. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of theories. It's, it's, uh, feeding the masses, right? Mm-hmm. Softer foods. Um, and as the jaws get smaller, the airway gets smaller. So now you got a smaller airway. Now when you sleep, if it relaxes, now the tongue's falling into that and collapsing. So there's your sleep apnea. So your young and healthy person isn't going to be what your fat old man looks like in terms of sleep apnea. So mm-hmm. we think sleep apnea, snoring, gasping for breath all the time. Your young fit person, which we use the in my office and we use the term young fit female or old fat man. <laughs> Unfortunately, I relate to the young fit female, right? So, but in today's world, I guess that's okay. Um, so it can be what you want to be. But the uh, the differences are dramatic because your young fit person, they're not going to complain of loud snoring. Um, they're not going to complain of gasping and um, stopping breathing. They're going to complain of kind of clenching, grinding, facial pain, yep. uh, kind of non-refreshing sleep. Because every time they go into REM sleep, the airway collapses and your brain cares more about oxygen than it does about you getting enough REM sleep. So like we talk about whoop, right? It's yep. measuring that. And they're like saying, all right, this is a prime uh, measurement to look at recovery. What if you can't get into REM sleep? What if you get your eight hours of sleep? So I see kids all the time right now. They're like, I have to sleep 12, 14 hours just to feel like I get a little bit of sleep. Well, then there's a problem. Um, and so the solution was at the beginning is how do I keep this airway from collapsing? Mm-hmm. So CPAP is continuous positive airway pressure. So you're applying air to keep it, to volumize the airway. So, so it's it pushing air into your body? It's pushing air in. And it's just trying to keep some pressure in there so that when you breathe, it doesn't collapse. Um, problem is, it's our gold standard, and it works awesome when it works. But 50% of the people, supposedly after a year, quit using it. Yeah. Because it's kind of a nuisance, right? Mm-hmm. So then we have all these other surgeries. Uh, there was uh, ENT World started taking out the roof of the mouth and the palate it's a pretty dramatic surgery and uh i've never met anybody that loved having that surgery done doesn't sound like it (laughs) we talk about taking wisdom teeth out let alone take the roof of the mouth yeah so um and the problem with that that was trying to take a small airway and 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 take contents out of it Mm -hmm. whereas now we're finding that there's all these other techniques to make the airway bigger so the best way to keep a small airway from collapsing is to make it bigger. It, it seems logical, but no one thought about that. You're right. You right. seem like that would be the first step. Yeah. So you've got all these dentists out there saying, wait a minute, we got these tools. We have orthodontic therapy that can make the jaws bigger. We've got jaw surgeries that were designed to get teeth to fit together, but lo and behold, they make the jaw bigger. Um, you've got this cool world out there of... of speech language therapists that have got ex and dental hygienists actually that have extra training to do physical therapy of the facial muscles mm. and the muscles of the airway because it's muscles so if you get more tone to those muscles so like you know the didgeridoo yeah. back in the world cup oh, yeah right <laughs> didgeridoo playing has been shown to decrease sleep apnea for some people by like 50 percent what is it? Because it's like working out your jaw? Working out the, the, working out the airway muscles. Yeah, so yeah. all okay. those muscles, right? So working out your airway muscles in turn makes the jaw bigger. Makes yeah, Well, in that case, keeps it from collapsing as Got much. Got it. So you can have technically, and what's so fascinating about this world is everybody's different. There's no one size fits all treatment because you can have a big airway, but have a lot of slack muscle, mm-hmm. right? So sure, we can look at that with anybody. You can have a big old Jack dude and he actually really doesn't have any muscle. Yeah. Or you can have a skinny McGregor type and he's just mm-hmm. ripped. Right. So the airway can be the same. You can have this big airway that collapses a lot, or you can have a teeny airway that has a lot of tone to it. So you can't like look at somebody and tell how much their airway collapses, um, without sedating them and running a camera down their throat, which is not very cost effective. How, how early on, <laughs> Can you develop sleep apnea? So you can be born with sleep apnea, which is um, the, we in Greenville. We've got a pediatric sleep group of physicians, and they have three docs there, and they can't get patients in fast enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's in our community, right? So 
the problem is, again, our first line of therapy is, is CPAP. Uh, technically for kids is getting the tonsils and adenoids out, but getting tonsils and adenoids out on kids is again, taking some content out of a small airway and it's shown to be 60% effective. You combine that with expanding a kid's dental arch with orthodontics mm-hmm. and it's 95% effective. Problem is nobody knows that. Right. <laughs> so we've got, I try to teach all these orthodontists in town everywhere. I'm like, you guys have an, a ton of power that you don't know that you have. Mm-hmm. And it's not any real different than what the treatment you're doing. It's just doing it for a different reason. Um, so I went through a journey with my kid. Um, it was a scary journey because I started learning all this. And I was like, oh, I better check my own family out. Yep. And my three-year-old, I started watching him sleep, mouth breather, which was the first sign that something was going on. And then I would catch him stop breathing. And I'm like, and Holy kids. Shit. And you think about kids, we have this, we, we know that these children have this, like, we call it the baby sleeping position. It's like a yoga position. You know, sure. the, what is the yoga place? Uh, uh, the baby position. Oh. Anyway. Shavasana. Yeah. Or, so yeah. where you get down, the reason kids will sleep like that is because they can breathe better. And like little subtle things, like parents take their kids and that won't sleep and put them in the car and drive them around. And you're like, oh, maybe they like the, the motion mm, of the car yeah. or they like sitting up where they can breathe. Mm. So there's scary things we do as parents. Like I go back and we like swaddled our kid and kept him on his back. And like, mm-hmm. there's reasons kids toss and turn. Like, and it, it's obvious things when you, when you think about it down the road and you're <laughs> like the things that we did to help try to get our kids to sleep. And I'm like, what if they couldn't breathe? What could parents do to help prevent or even realize their kid has sleep apnea or an issue? The biggest thing I say to look, is to watch your kid sleep mm-hmm. um, or to watch your spouse sleep or to watch, you know, cause so many of us are dealing with this. So um, mouth breathing, we talked about that. If somebody breathes through their mouth when they're sleeping, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. We weren't designed to breathe through our mouth. And that that's an interesting thing when you actually start looking at how we sort of evolved. It was as soon as we um, discovered, as soon as we got the ability to speak, as the larynx drops is the first time we had a collapsible airway. So there's not many animals out there that have collapsible mm-hmm. airways. And that's is fascinating to me. Um, <laughs> but um, so I always tell people, you got a third of your head is your nose. You got this big old snoz. It's got, we got these sinuses. Mm-hmm. If we, we wouldn't have all that, if it wasn't critically important. So the nose um, is one of the first thing as a dentist, one of the first things I look at is somebody's nose. Um, because if they can't breathe, they end up clenching more and all these things. But, um, so first is just watch a kid or a spouse or anybody breathe. Mm -hmm. And, um, if that, I'd say that's always step one is just watch. So what about diet? What about how you feed your kids or how you, yeah, that's a big one. And it's kind of a hot topic in the facial growth world right now is, uh, all this comes back to the size of the pathway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bigger is better in this circumstance. Yes. <laughs> um, so there are, it, there's a lot of research being done on that. It, as soon as Gerber started smashing everything up and uh, giving us, uh, well, we didn't have blenders, right? So our, our original blender was mom, right? Chew things up, give it you know, mm-hmm. baby bird technique, right? So now that we've got kids on these soft diets and think about everything we hand them. It's a chewy, this or chewy, you know, everything mm-hmm. smashed up. They're yes. not getting this facial growth of the upper jaw, um, which the lower jaw is a dumb jaw. It just follows the upper jaw. So the bigger the upper jaw is, the, the more the lower jaw will develop. But then one thing that is a really hot topic in the world of medicine and the world of dentistry and the world of ENT right now is, is tongue ties. Um, so, to the fact that you have ENTs in this country fighting right now saying somebody with a tongue tie, that's not an issue. Uh, it only affects breastfeeding. The problem is, is the tongue is the developer of the face. So if we learn an appropriate swallow, the tongue will go up to the roof of the mouth and it will expand the upper arch, making the airway bigger. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn to swallow appropriately, Maybe because you can't, because the tongue may be tethered down. And tongue ties, like dentists were trained just to look for this little fiber tissue right at the tip. Uh, the problem is that fiber goes back and further in the tongue. So 
if the tongue can't get up on the roof of the mouth, then we don't, then we learn to have this sort of reverse swallow technique and you'll swallow with your cheeks, which ends up driving our faces skinnier over time. So we get these long skinny mouths with the tongues not shaped that way. So it ends up living more in the airway than it does in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So is Sleep apnea also caused by the tongue blocking your airway? It can be tongue. There's a lot of versions of sleep apnea. So the tongue can fall into the airway. The sides of the walls can collapse. The, there, you can have different versions of collapse. So ENTs will do this cool technique because they are, there's actually a surgery out right now, uh, and it's been shown to be pretty, uh, pretty successful, where they place a pacemaker in your chest and it's got a nerve or it's got an electrical stimulus that goes to the nerve in your tongue. And every time you breathe, it pushes your tongue forward uh -huh. up and out of the airway. But to be a candidate for that, they have to see how the airway collapses. And it's got to collapse in a certain way to make you a candidate for that. It's got to collapse mm -hmm. from the front to back. And to do that, they sedate you, run a camera down your throat and just see where the airway Because sedation is somewhat like REM sleep. Got it. Uh, and everybody, everybody's airways collapse differently. So... How dangerous is sleep apnea? Uh, it's, I think, and this has been debated in literature too, but there's a, there's a thought that sleep apnea is the number one reason we have afibrillation. And so you hear of patients with pacemakers, things mm -hmm. like that. But sleep apnea is incredibly dangerous. It just doesn't happen overnight. So unfortunately, we need a few famous people to die in order to get more funding for research. Mm-hmm. The most famous, a lot of the money that came for sleep apnea research, we didn't talk about this yet, was Reggie White. So Reggie really? White has a foundation. Reggie White he died. died from sleep apnea? He died in his sleep with his CPAP machine not plugged in. Damn. So his wife has a Reggie White foundation. Um, but Justice Scalia, that was a big one. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was, you know, rumors of did somebody unplug his seat? Uh, you know, but yes, sleep apnea is incredibly dangerous. But the problem is, is we, is see, the problem and the solution is it's a progressive. So you can treat sleep apnea really early on and not progress to, mm -hmm. to what we think of as sleep apnea. So uh, when people ask me what I do now, I don't say I, I do dentistry. <laughs> I tell people I add years of vitality to people's lives. because That's your wine, man. That's, that's amazing, wine, man. right? Because you or I can have a such mild version of sleep apnea that it doesn't actually even show up on a test. It doesn't mean we can't be better, mm -hmm. right? So going back to our sports days, I, I now think of going to sleep, like, you know, like getting ready for the most important part of my day mm -hmm. because it is the most important part of our day. So, uh, you know, going back to soccer, I remember the first time we were sponsored with going to Europe and playing with, with Umbro having, and they yeah. gave us, they gave us all that Umbro gear <laughs> and immediately I got better because I looked good. Right. So now I try to do that when I sleep, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a pretty impactful eight hours that is going to set me up for everything for the next day. And that's, that's how we should all think yes. about sleep. So like the whole, let's sleep in a perfect cave. My wife, I drive her crazy. Cause we're like, it's gotta be perfectly dark. It's gotta be the right temperature because this is performance time. Yes. Well, we finally fall asleep. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so you got all types of, breathing issues and, and it all comes down to the, to the size of the airway um so like right now my bread and butter how i got into this is we make a simple dental device that keeps the jaw from falling back Should is it as effective as a cpap machine depends um so for mild cases it's shown to be 90 95 effective um as it gets more severe that what's the name of the device or what is it we call them dental sleep devices. They have a bunch of names. They're mandibular advancement devices, MAD. They got oral appliances. <laughs> I use the terminology oral appliance, and I always think when I say that, I'm like, it sounds like we're putting a refrigerator in their mouth. But, uh, <laughs> but so that that's my bread and butter, uh, and now it's covered by insurance. So, uh, it, so that became an easy intro. But for me, I don't believe that we were intended to have a piece of plastic in our mouth. Mm -hmm or a machine hooked up to us or a pacemaker to help us breathe. Mm -hmm. But it's a great intro to treatment for patients. But if I could have every patient see either an orthodontist that knows what they're doing, a surgeon, a myofunctional therapist, you know, there's a, there has to be a team. And so like one of the cool things that I'm doing in Greenville right now is we're building a team and, um, and it's been a slow process because people have their ways and they're trained in a certain mm -hmm. way, but there needs to be just like you should have a help team 
you should have an airway team because every case is different. What are some of the signs? How how can people, yeah. if they're sleeping alone, they don't have a spouse or, yeah. you know, but, you know, how many people are waking up not rested or they their jaw hurts or they have a headache? You know, like what can they do? How can they how can they figure it out? <laughs> yeah. So there you actually just said all the things that I would ask patients is like, do you wake up refreshed? How many? T- I don't get the answer. Yes. Very often. I bet. And I drove. We don't live very far from each other. And I passed three Starbucks. <laughs> right. There's a reason this world of ours is addicted to caffeine. Yes. Because we're all sleeping like crap. And um, everything's, you know, how much five hour energy. Remember, that was like the big thing forever. Why do we need more energy? Because we're sleeping like crap. Yeah. So there's apps out there. Like I give patients, there's an app called Snore Lab for somebody that just uh, needs to, like if they don't know if they snore and it'll record things. But the cool thing is like you had uh, the gal on from Whoop, uh, Fitbit, Garmin's, everything's mm-hmm. measuring sleep right now. They're not all incredibly accurate on terms of like sleep quality and yep. REM staging and deep sleep and whatnot. But they tell you something Mm -hmm. with wearables. Now there's no excuse not to. And so when I started doing this, every time I would bring up sleep to a patient, especially men, they're like, well, I'm not going to go sleep in a lab and I'm not going to wear a machine. Mm -hmm. And my answer would be, what if I told you, you don't have to sleep in a lab and you don't have to wear a machine. What's your next excuse? Right. And, uh, and then spouses, if I'm talking to spouse, I'll, I'll usually tell their spouse, like if, Somebody's like, my husband won't come in because he snores so bad. But mm-hmm. I'm like, well, give him two options. Up his life insurance or do something about it. Because it is that critical. Um, but wearables now, I think, are going to change everything. Live Life in Motion is brought to you by CBDMD. I am very pumped to have CBDMD as a partner. They are the most legitimate CBD company out there. All their products are THC-free. They're all third-party tested. Really, they're trusted by a lot of the best athletes in the world. I've used CBD for a long time, and their products at CBDMD are simply the best. I love their gummies. Really, there's a lot of uses for CBD. I like to use it for sleep and really any type of recovery. Um, It really can help inflammation. So go to their site, cbdmd.com. Look up some products and use promo code LIVE25 at checkout and you will save 25% off your order. So it's a pretty darn good deal. Go to cbdmd.com, use promo code LIVE25 at checkout and start living healthier. What's the metric you're looking for in a wearable? Uh, so the wearables aren't going to measure like if we actually have sleep apnea, but they're going to look at sleep quality. So your metrics are, some of them will measure oxygen levels. Uh, we were talking, your oxygen should stay in the high 90s always. Mm-hmm. Yet I see sleep studies all day, every day that drop way down. And I wish I would have actually bought a pulse ox. I would have seen what yours would go down to. But I, I can almost guarantee you can't get yours below 90 holding your breath. Uh, but yet I see it all night long, every night on people you would think were healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but those, like when you start getting percentages on the wearables, they give you a sleep score. So I, I, we were at a Christmas party this year and I had like seven dudes come up to me and they were like, Hey, can you look at all, all, they all pulled out sleep reports from whether it was Fitbit, Garmin, you name it. And I was like, goodness, y'all need help. And they were like, (laughs) you know, they all went to iron try. They're like CrossFitters. They're super healthy. And so none of them would get picked up on having a sleep breathing issue unless they got this cool gear to tell them that, right? Um, because no one knows it's a jaw size issue. Where can you get a sleep report? Don't you have to be, go to a doctor to get one? So right now, you to have a sleep study, study um, yes. most of the sleep studies since COVID are done at home. Um, and it's cool. So there's a lot of companies coming out with disposable sleep studies. I've heard rumors that CVS is going to start distributing them soon. Um, but they're usually read by a sleep physician. Um, uh, so I'm kind of handicapped in my world, which I like, cause I think it needs to be a sleep team, mm-hmm. but I don't do sleep studies. Lots of dentists out there are starting to do them. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that yet. Uh, but, uh, I think we should be able to distribute them and have a sleep physician read them. Cause there's a lot of intricacies in those. Um, but, you can ask a physician, you can, there's 
frankly, there's places around town now, if you Google sleep studies, they're, they're doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll have a sleep physician read them. I just like for that sleep physician to be local so I can pick up the phone and call them when we have. Sure. So, um, but yeah, I think if um, we've, in Greenville, we've had a, a young sleep doc go out on her own um, and she's doing everything via telemedicine pretty much, which is awesome. What about treatments? What are what are other treatments people could do on their own, whether it's their diet or exercise or, or what is it? Yeah, so obviously if, if weight is an issue, weight, getting weight off is not going to help. So weight could, is, could be an issue. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Because uh, if you gain weight, you also, we actually, it took this year for me just to find a study on this, but you actually gain weight in your tongue. So uh-huh. um, it seems obvious. So it's your tongue gets fatter. Yeah. and But all the, all the tissue around it does too. Mm-hmm. So I, I read today, because I, was, I, was, I know this is sort of sports related, and mm-hmm. uh, they did a study several years ago and showed that most of the offensive linemen and defensive linemen have sleep apnea. Um, and lots of our elite bodybuilders have sleep apnea. And you think, God, these guys are super healthy, but they build up so much mass in their neck and those muscles that they collapse. It collapses. Yeah. It's tight. So your treatments. Um, so myofunctional therapy is a pretty cool treatment because you're toning those muscles and like you can find a myofunctional therapist now there's we've got a bunch in greenville um i don't even know what that is so they're typically it's new uh and it's a debated i've got sleep physicians i work with that are like yeah that doesn't work and i'm like oh there's lots of literature that says it does <laughs> um and you've got stanford docs doing tons of stanford's sort of the hub right now of sleep research and um they've got lots of good research on these different types of things but um sleep position is a big thing so most people, if jaw size is an issue, sleeping on your back is typically worse. The problem with that is most of our body does better. I believe if you talk to a physical therapist, we mostly do better if we're on our back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, I have, I've got engineers as patients that like track their sleep and have all these sleep studies. They're like, yeah, I'm good as long as I sleep on my side. I'm like, well, what happens when you have your hip replaced? <laughs> um, and literally they're like, oh yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> Um, so like I got a patient right now who has severe sleep apnea when he's on his back. If he's on his side, zero sleep apnea. But what happened? Knee replacement. Can't sleep on his side. Anymore. Yeah. So, um, so it's interesting. So sleep position is a thing. Um, sitting up in a bed. So you got all these fancy oh, yeah. beds now. Those help for patients. Um, but again, treatments are simple. So like I fought for years to get this dental therapy covered by insurance because for a long time, it was in South Carolina, at least it wasn't covered. And so that left my access to care limited because I could treat rich, rich people, right? Because it's not cheap because we spent a ton of time with yeah, patients. Sure. And these devices are now 3D printed and integrated. So they're, they're pretty cool stuff. But I was like, I can't help as many people if I can't get coverage for people. So I spent a couple of years working on that in South Carolina. We got great coverage now for that. Um, That's good to know. I did not know that. Yeah, so most people don't. I still have sleep physicians that I work with. They're like, yeah. hey, how much do you charge people? I'm like, well, patients pay sometimes zero to a hundred bucks. Dang, that's amazing. Yeah, so and how much How much can it improve somebody's daily life? Oh, man. That's why this doesn't get old. Um, I've had, and, you know, we talked about a lot of my patients come into my office with TMJ issues. Uh, and TMJ being pain of the jaw joints, muscles, um, sometimes getting locked jaw. Um but I take this one kid, he was, he was 21 years old, no job, had no, no interest in really doing anything. Came into my office cause his mom brought him cause he, his jaw locked up one night. And so I, I'm one of the few people that has a technique where I can unlock a jaw with some injections. But anyways, that was just a conversation starter. I was like, Hey man, you need to have your sleep studied because this locked up in your sleep. We looked at his jaws, he had pretty small jaws. And so I unlocked him, got him a sleep study and then got him a dental device, simple to wear. Saw him a year later. He's now the president, vice president of a construction company in town. Went out and got married, and um, like all in this short period of time, and which is cool to watch. And I was like, "Man, you're doing incredible." He goes, "I want to thank you," he said, "because now I have energy in the mornings to get up and do things, and it gave me a drive to get back to something and give mm-hmm. up, to have a purpose." And like that day, like I still think of that kid, and it, it kind of brings tears in my eyes because that stuff I get to see all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could have so easily been missed because, and it's missed a lot of the time. 
it's it's changing a little bit, but right now we're it's sad that if you and I walked into a physician and say, yeah, we snore all the time. We're getting a sleep study immediately. We're going to get one. If a female walks in and says, I'm tired all the time. I got brain fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times they're getting treated with medicine, um, with antidepressants. Yeah. And, um, That's <laughs> amazing to think about how much sleep could cure that type of stuff. So I, this is another cool story. <laughs> Uh, I played football with a guy at Wade Hampton and I hadn't seen him in years cause he was about four years younger than me and he showed up in my office and he would barely in the chair. He was so anxious. Um, and his wife was like, yeah, he's not, you know, and they're talking to me and he's got two kids and snores really bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, was on a ton of medications for anxiety, depression, got his sleep treated I, in three months. He was off all of his medications and his wife was like, I have my husband back and I got the five and that type of stuff doesn't happen to everyone. Like, yeah, I wish that it did. I wish I could say everybody I treated turns out fantastic. The majority improve. Um, and that's why I think a lot of dentists don't do what I do or start it and then don't stay with it. Cause dentistry is very black and white. You got a broken tooth. We'll fix it. You mm-hmm. got a cavity. We'll fix it. Right. Sleep is so gray. So there's so many variables. And so like if you're we're measuring things off these numbers, the numbers don't tell you everything um, because you can have a high apnea index and still get plenty of REM sleep. You have, and it can be- What's an apnea index? I was listening to somebody talk about that earlier. Yeah, so it's a sort of an equation that we use to measure sleep breathing. And so to have an apneic event, you have to stop breathing for 10 seconds or longer and it changed your blood oxygen level 4%. That's so scary. Right? But it happens all the time. Like, I don't ever really, even in my super healthy, I rarely ever see an apnea index of zero. Uh, hypopnea, so they combine these, is when you slow down breathing for 10 seconds, but it changes your blood oxygen levels mm-hmm. 3 or 4%. So it's just this math equation. But the problem is, is we have this big index that we, we score everybody with, but you can have an apnea index of 5, and that, that means that's the first level of mild apnea. But you could have an apneic event last 10 seconds, and that's scored. Mm-hmm. But that same apneic event could last a minute, but it's scored the same. So there's a big discrepancy in this whole scoring system. Yeah, like and the then, duration of the event. I mean, if you're thinking about what kicks you back into breathing, like you're about to die. Yeah. Well, your your body senses needs to, a need to breathe by CO2 levels rising, not by oxygen. And it just oxygen. like jolts it back into... Yeah, you'll get... Well, what'll happen is you'll get out of that deep REM sleep oh. and your muscle will get toned back, right? So that's... Your young, healthy people will tend to have just less REM sleep because every time they go there, they can't breathe, but the body's so in tune, it just is like, out of here, I'm going to breathe. Mm-hmm. And so you get people that... I've treated patients that have apnea indexes of, of like two. So they're not even, they don't even technically have sleep apnea. And I've treated them. They're like, oh my gosh, I sleep so much better now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you're like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But they're getting into more REM sleep and more deep sleep. So and that makes sense. Yeah. So that's why I was frustrated. Not frustrated. But like when you we talk about, you got all these people focusing on sleep now, right? Big tech companies. It's such a hot topic. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere I turn around. Like I, I had a National Geographic book that I was, got saw at Barnes & Noble and I grabbed it. The entire <laughs> thing was on sleep. But there's only a little part of it on sleep breathing. It was all like, do this for better sleep. Do this for better sleep. But if you can't control your breathing, then you can't sleep well. And so like the name of my book is Breathe Well, Sleep Well, Live Well. Makes sense. Yeah. Because straightforward, <laughs> it's as straightforward as it gets. Um, and so, like, we didn't, you know, this is, I just give to people that refer patients. And actually, it's, it was just something we came up with over COVID because we couldn't do anything. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be doing this again. So we're like, let's do something. Um, I think you're here. I listened to your dad. He's like, just do something. Yeah. Positive, yeah, yeah. Right. That was hard to do during COVID. But um, there's simple treatments out there and people aren't, don't even know they have issues. What would be the first, where would somebody go if they think they need to have one or they have an issue? Oh, that's a loaded question. Uh, they come to you, man. <laughs> if it's Greenville, I would love for them to come to me because we've got a good team here now that we can, uh, but um, 
You know, now I think because it is so hot, uh, I think most physicians uh, have a good grasp on now going and getting a sleep study. You want a metric to measure. Um, Do I they make, cost a lot? No, man. A, a, a home study these days is like 200 bucks. Um, well worth it. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, that's without insurance. Home studies, are they accurate? Do you find them like... Yeah, so they're they're pretty accurate. Um, the guy that I told you I'm friends with that discovered or helped discover sleep apnea yep. accidentally uh, helped develop the first sleep studies. And he always said, I can get a really accurate night study in a crappy lab. <laughs> right. And so, and he helped develop the first, the first home sleep study was called the Rimmers Recorder. It was named after, he named it after himself <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, or somebody else named it after him. But he said, or I can get really decent data in somebody's own environment. So I've been using, uh, been testing out this uh, European sleep study uh, recently. It is the size of the tip of your finger and it will record 10 nights of data. Where do you uh, put it? What is it? You put it on your finger. Dang. And so it's measuring peripheral arterial tone and the oxygen going through. And it's using an algorithm to say, we think we can get some sleep staging out of this. But the point of that is, is it's, they're getting so small, so cheap, so easy. I can buy one of these things for 60 bucks and it gets 10 nights of data. Uh, or I think it's like 80 bucks or something like that. But the the point of that is in five years, your Fitbit's going to tell you. Yep. I think, I, I think Apple, uh, Google, they've, they know how much money there is in sleep because treating sleep is going to save our healthcare trillions of dollars because it's so preventative in nature for mm-hmm. all the things we do. So it should be, I would love to, in my, and it will in our lifespan be part of your physical. You go get a physical, you get a sleep study. Cause so many of us are dealing with this, right? Yeah. Um, and I've read that certain countries won't prescribe a kid ADHD medication without a sleep study. Because a hyperactive kid is the same as a kid that is sleep deprived. So there's books out called Sleep Wreck Kids and things like that, that most of our kids, how many kids are getting put on ADHD mm-hmm. medication? A lot of them just have a sleep issue. I mean, it. you can think we all, if you wake up, you don't get proper sleep, which I don't know if people know it or not, but they always <laughs> wake up more stressed. They wake up more anxious. They wake up more easily frustrated, you know? You just nailed it though. You don't know because it's your normal. Mm-hmm. So I, so true, man. I had an eye doctor recently. He goes, oh, I bet you run into the same problem I do. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I had for 10 years, I had to convince patients that I didn't make their eyes worse. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'd get them prescription glasses they could see, and then they would lose their glasses. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, you made my eyes worse. He goes, no, I made you realize how bad they were. Yes. I do that with sleep all the time. Patients lose these devices and they're like calling. They're like, they went 40 years not wearing anything, mm-hmm. and then they lose it one night, and they're calling you saying, I need something tonight. Because <laughs> uh, once you get good sleep, you don't forget that. It is such a game changer. So, And it literally, there is, I, I can't find much in our body that isn't affected by sleep. sleep. From a hormone level to, a, you know, most growth, and you heard it on the whoop thing, most growth hormone is secreted mm-hmm. during deep sleep. So any type of recovery, yeah. mental health, recharging your mind, your body, which is why every sports team has sleep coaches now, right? So, um, you know, I've talked to some of the Clemson coaches, and they're on it now. Yeah, they're, but not many of them are looking for sleep apnea. So, like, hey, let's we can talk about quantity, but let's let's dive into quality, right? So, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, performance in sports. If you want to go the sport route. If you think about for like 80s, 90s, 70s, how much they were losing because they weren't concentrated on their sleep. Right. You know, and I look back to like, my- think about if Jordan, like, oh. wanted to sleep, right? <laughs> Seriously? Right. We hear about the stories of Jordan yeah, and, you know? <laughs> and the Bulls. They, they weren't concerned about sleep. They were pushing through. Uh, but the military is doing some really interesting things on sleep right now. I'm, I'm friends with a guy who ran the dental sleep division of, of all the armed forces. And the military doesn't, it's bad to say, but they don't care as much that their soldiers live forever. They care that they can perform while they're in active duty, right? So they look at, 
instead of looking at like long-term health of somebody with sleep apnea, we're talking about, yes, this is life or death. Mm -hmm. They're looking at reaction time. They're looking at how quick can you decide to pull the trigger or not pull the trigger. And so it's all cognitive and their studies are super cool. But the problem is you can't really deploy somebody with a CPAP machine. So they've dove into this dental sleep world where like green berets will have pockets on their shoulders for these Mm -hmm. dental sleep things because they know. Uh, And then I actually heard a story. I, I still don't know the validity of the story, but CPAP has Bluetooth, right? Uh, so he was saying, hey, can you track where some of my soldiers are based off of their CPAP machines? Sure. He said, said he sent something to the Pentagon. And lo and behold, <laughs> they knew where some of their soldiers were. He said, shut it all down. Because if we can track it, somebody else can track it. Yeah. And he claims that that's how they may have found some of the, uh, the ISIS soldiers in the caves and stuff is their CPAP machines. Isn't oh that, a, isn't that a cool story? And again, I don't know the hundred percent validity because that just came up in conversation one time. But that was it was fascinating. I was like, "Whoa, the things that you don't think about." You know, that is insane. What What about like I've heard if you have like a long neck or if you have like unportioned body parts. Yeah. So the one big marker, and it's hard to tell this on persons, but you'll you'll kind of know what I mean after I say it. One marker is is on the long neck thing is is your hyoid bone. Because that supports your uh, that supports your airway, your trachea. Um, somebody with like a double chin, you know, if the chin's mm-hmm. set back, you may look like you have a longer neck. Uh, but it's really that position of where those jaws are in terms of that bone. So you'll start now that I start saying this, you'll start seeing this. Watch people with forward head posture. You can breathe a lot better as your head's out here. Mm-hmm. Problem with that is your head is the weight of a bowling ball and the more it's not over our spine the more yeah. we hit all these muscles you know that in your yeah. world right so you get chiropractors and things that are getting people their posture right but if you can't breathe well you right there you just back out back out here yep. yeah so you'll, you'll start seeing this like i can point out sleep apnea from my kids can point out mm-hmm. patients with sleep apnea because you you can see what the what it's doing to the body you can see it in patients eyes like i love that you can treat somebody and in a week their eyes look better yeah, like, gosh, I heard what does it have to be like the darkness of the eyes? It's just the bags underneath. So it's called venous draining. So you okay. just have blood flow build up under the eyes. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. So how you can how you can make big shifts. Um, you were talking about uh, taping too. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's lots of people out there promoting mouth tape or lip tape. Uh, and it's to promote nasal breathing. It's to, to regain a behavior. Um, personally, my wife and I tape. My wife's clenching and grinding has gone down with just taping. And she's mm-hmm. a dentist as well. And um, so, like, um, the NT I work with up at Harvard, he like he's a big proponent of taping. Who I do not recommend taping for is somebody that has nasal, um, a, an actual nasal obstruction, which is hard to tell that to somebody. But, mm-hmm. So, uh, or kids, I don't recommend taping. Um but there are lots of people out there pushing Mark Cuban being one yes. <laughs> with his company Somnifix, but lip taping for health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Somebody at some point is going to get it's, hurt with lip taping and it's just going to sure. be like, it's going to be like the warnings on the McDonald's hot coffee. Like <laughs> this could hurt you. Yeah. Right? If, you put, if you put Gorilla Glue in your hair, it's going to mess <laughs> things up. So like, um, but yeah, that's just cocoa. She's, Big in Iron Tribe, right? So a couple of years ago, CrossFit in Sweden did a big study on recovery with nasal breathing. And so they taped all these CrossFit members' mouths shut to sleep, to work out, and they showed that they recovered a whole lot faster. So it's, again, you can use all these metrics to measure it. Um, but my wife, athlete, played softball at Nebraska, you know, mm-hmm. um, I told her one morning, I was like, babe, you need to see if you can run your entire workout with your lips closed. She's absolutely not. She couldn't do it. Took her six months. Now she had the stamina and running. I tried to do that. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a cool book out right now. It's called uh, Breath or Breathe, one of the two. Uh, James Nestor. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's awesome. I'm trying try to get him on. <laughs> uh, I can probably get him on for you. All right. Um, he's hot right now with that book because everybody wants to. But I actually met him through his first book, which was on free diving. I'm I'm reading about all this, and I was like, oh, this relates so much to the way we breathe. And his dad had to be happened to be a pulmonologist, and so he's traveled around the world 
looking at different breathing techniques because you've probably heard of these, but you got Wim Hof breathing, you mm-hmm. have Uteco breathing. That's the got, most popular, I think. Yeah. The Wim Hof, or that's it's popular with your athletes because mm-hmm. Wim, Wim Hof is a is a pretty extraordinary individual. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, I asked, I actually hosted James Nestor on our study club one night, and I said, uh, "You've studied all these. What's the best?" And he's like, oh, "I always get that question." He's like, "Whichever one works for you." So we had the, uh, that's, uh, I love that answer by the way. And the reality is if you can slow your breathing down, it controls your, your breathing controls everything. So like there was a big trend a few years ago with like alkaline water and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the kidneys control your acidity. Um, but your number one thing to drive your, your alkalinity is you blowing off CO2. So if we slow down our breathing, uh, you're going to change that nature of your body. The kidneys take about 20 days to 21 days to have it, right? 20 mm-hmm. something days to kind of control the, the change. So you got to practice these breathing habits. I always tell people, you can slow down your breathing when you're doing yoga, but as soon as you hop back on 385, you're back to stressed. Yep. And this is all about stress management um, and reducing inflammation. So I had, uh, in our study club the other day, we had the number one neurologist on brain health. Like we asked the ENT from Harvard, we were like, hey, will you teach us some brain health? Because he's also in integrated medicine. He goes, yeah. And then he's like, no. He's like, why would I teach y'all on brain health when I have the guy to <laughs> teach you on brain health? And like, you know, you've heard about blue zones and centurions. Yeah. And, um, but it came out like, came out of sleep and diet, right? And, and lifestyle. And so fascinating stuff he showed he and his wife. They're called, it's Dr. Shurzai and Shurzai, and they're doing, they're launching <laughs> something on Facebook right now that is a, a, cha- a 30 day challenge to like reverse and decrease chances of Alzheimer's and that type of stuff. Fascinates me and scares me to death. But they do Alzheimer's. Think, yeah. So, but they, you can do things to help preventative care. So, what he was showing is he had done all the research, he and his wife are like the top people in this. They had done all the research to show that genetics were so critical in that that if you had these three genes you're you're kind of messed up right and now the last 10 years he's like revamping everything they're saying he's like that was our research and that was what it was showing and we're showing now if you have those three genes and you change your lifestyle mm-hmm. you'll be better off than somebody that doesn't have those three genes without without a lifestyle change so they're trying to build these healthy communities so he's at the beaches in in, in uh, california and they're the number one healthiest community in the u.s and um but that type of stuff fascinates me because he's like, I went to a collaboration cures conference a couple of years ago in Nashville. And it was like people from all different minds of medicine, mm-hmm. uh, endocrinologists, neurologists, everybody. And the top three things that everyone addressed were sleep, lifestyle, in terms of your diet, exercise. Mm-hmm. And those are so intuitive. But like, if you jump in the diet world, you'll go down a thousand different pathways. Yes. You need to find something that's sustainable that you can do on a daily basis. That's why I'm excited about the Shure's eyes because there's all research based. They've looked at everything. Um, But again, we dive into sleep and like, you got to sleep well because we can all go find time to get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. But if it's not good sleep, it's not doing you much good. Yeah. So, so like I said, I can go off on tangents all day long because this stuff, I think, We've our medical model, I feel like, has gone towards is disease treatment instead of a prevention model. My um, biggest, my biggest thing I'm mad about is we always treat the symptom, not the cause. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's crazy. But if you think about it, you go to a doctor and you have pain in your knee. They're going to shoot you up with a steroid or something to take the pain away in your knee. But they're never going to treat. Maybe it's coming from your left hip, right? Or they're coming from yeah. a bad alignment or whatever it is. And so you just keep going to the doctor every month to get the shot in your hip. And it's never getting better. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's where our medical model's headed down. And that's probably insurance driven and the time you get to spend. And, and, and physicians are frustrated and everyone. So you've got these cool branches now that are going into like concierge medicine and mm-hmm. integrative medicine and uh, functional medicine and they, they all have some things, but they're all looking for sort of these root causes because, and what is it? An ounce of prevention is worth whatever. That's yeah. The same. Yeah. Um, and that again, so sleep is just one big part of that. So we, uh, I, I like to think that we're just a health and wellness clinic. What, um, 
as we're wrapping up here, you, Mr. Dr. Covington, you get to like, what is your pitch to somebody that maybe they're sitting at home and they think they might have an issue or they think they're tired. They're just not feeling well. What, what do they do? What do you tell them? Yeah. So the first thing I do is try to figure out how to watch yourself sleep. If that's somebody, somebody with you, um, set up a camera. Cause it's, it's eye opening when you see, no one sees their cells. Snoring never bothers the person doing it. Right. <laughs> so true. Um, and just, just so you know, we didn't jump into this snoring itself is increases your risk of stroke. So like I always tell patients, even if you don't have sleep apnea, if you, if you snore, treat that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you, I think and not all snoring means you have sleep correct, apnea. Right. And you don't have to snore to have sleep apnea. Um, so you can snore and not have sleep apnea and you can have sleep apnea and not snore. And then, like I said, it's a, it's a continuation. So you could have upper airway resistance, which is debated. Some people are like, that's not a real thing. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, it's, if you're questioning it, then it's a problem. Yeah. Right. And that's a good rule of thumb for a lot of things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, if anybody's listening to this, like, I think the, the, there's, there's more of me's out there in the dental community that are, are building teams. Um, but if you find an airway focused provider, uh, that could be an ENT, that could be a sleep physician, that could be a orthodontist, that could be a dentist, that could be a myofunctional therapist, but the right people will get you the right team. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm jaded and I think I could help everybody that walked into their office. I'm sure as hell going to try. Um, but there's, you can always get better though. Right. You know, like you could be getting amazing sleep, but you can probably get better sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like talking to, I had a patient recently and these things exist. She had an apnea hypoxia index. I'll go back to that of 90. So 90 times an hour, she stops breathing or slows down breathing for at least 10 seconds. So then you do, are you alive? Then you do the math and you're like, when are you breathing? Right. She had tried a CPAP machine for two years, struggled with it. And some patients will tell you that they sleep worse with them. And some patients will tell you it's life changing. So, um, but anyways, she came to me and I treated her with a dental device. And I said, I don't know how much improvement we're going to get, but any improvement is good improvement Mm -hmm. in her case. Um, so we remeasured it. It's down to like 20. So technically it's still moderate sleep apnea. She's telling me her life's been changed. <laughs> her, her physician is looking at the numbers saying, yeah, this isn't helping. <laughs> like, oh, come on. 90 times an hour or 20 times an hour. It's like, we look at, we want that number below five. And I was like, we got to start somewhere. And she's like, I'm working out now. I mean, she probably feels like she's <laughs> reborn. man. Yeah, and it's awesome. But like, we're, we're kind of jaded because we're looking, trying to compare that number to what CPAP is. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people the worst type of treatment is the one not being used. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, my, I guess my big take home would be for patients that think they have a sleep issue, that there are lots of easy therapies out there now. Cause I think a lot of people are jaded. I'm thinking I got to go do this, 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 mm-hmm. I got to do this. It's going to cost a lot. Um, and from a cost standpoint, <laughs> I, I tell people, if I can save you from a cup of coffee a day, yep. think of how much that money just saves you. Mm-hmm. And the reality is how much money we save somebody if we're off of hypertension medications, if we're off of all these different things. And I think a big takeaway from talking to you would be, it's like, I don't know. I mean, bad sleep is like fatigue. It is. So if you're waking up tired, if you're waking up with headaches, if you're waking up with your jaw hurting, that's directly associated with sleep. Yeah. So headaches. For sure, dry mouth. Yeah. Um, if you're waking up with, if you've been sweating in your sleep, that mm-hmm. means your heart rate's going up. Like I measure all that. It's crazy what people's heart rates will do in their sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, all those things, and, and people know that, right? So you you know, and you you've done a little bit of research, but you know what poor sleep is. Mm-hmm. We all know what it is because it's all our norm, right? So do something about it. Yes, you don't have to keep living that way. That's right. Well, so. Kip. Thank you so much for coming. This has been a pleasure. And uh, if you have poor sleep out there, go find this man. (laughs) (laughs) Or reach out because I I don't know where all your listeners are. Yep. There's tons of people doing this. Uh, There's not many here, but there's tons of people in places. And it could be the number one factor for good health. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, click subscribe on your listening platform for upcoming conversations.